0: Welcome back to Mages and Murder Dads, the best show dedicated to the Baldur's Gate franchise and beyond. I'm Cameron, and I play Ticklevar the Sorcerer. And I'm
1: Danny, and I play Balthazar
0: the Barbarian. This is episode 32, and today we're getting through the back half of chapter. Four. Danny, what happened in the last episode? In the front half? In the front
1: half of Chapter 4, to keep everybody updated. The front half of Chapter 4, that's where the plot happens. It's really where where it really gets uh, nitty-gritty. We went to uh, go rescue our uh, kind of step-sibling, Emmeline, and in the process of doing so we found out that our step sibling was actually our half sibling in that in that just wild right mhm um, that's a discovery we went to a place called spellhold where uh, a group called the kald wizards just throws people just renditions them forever mhm and we uh, we confronted our kidnapper and torturer a person uh, who will not be named in this podcast until right now. It was Irenicus. And uh, we confronted him, and he he escaped our wrath. And this episode is us trying to chase this Irenicus down.
0: It's true, absolutely. So that's the update uh, on what's been happening. If you like any of that, if you like that update so far, you should hit the like button. At the bottom of this uh, this video, you can also follow us on Twitter, uh, either on the Range Touch account, the channel account, uh, which is down in the description, or our personal accounts. So you can uh, access either of those as well. They are all down there. You can like us on Facebook, and uh, you can come hang out in our Discord if you want to.
1: Yeah, and uh, hit the little bell on the after you subscribe so that it gets to your feed. Or, and here's one thing you can do if you don't want to hit that bell, just make your homepage this video. Uh, because what do you have as your homepage? Google, I, I'd hate to break it to you, but nowadays you can just search in the in the address bar. You don't need to make your homepage Google anymore. Oh, now what? Yeah.
0: If you like this uh, witty banter, you can support us on Patreon. We thankfully just hit our $200 a month goal, so this channel is self-sustaining. We can afford uh, all of the Baldur's Gate memorabilia that we want and/or need, um, but we want to do all kinds of other stuff too, including a podcast about uh, tabletop stuff that we think will be really cool. So um, that'll happen at four hundred dollars uh, a month of support, and uh, just go go give us like a dollar or five dollars. Uh, we're we're starting a new podcast that's going to be subscribers only, and that will be really fun and really good. Um, we've got a lot of we've been piling up the content for it already.
1: So much content.
0: It's going to be really good. So, Samon Havarian.
1: Yeah. No, Saman Havarian, a uh, witty banter person. I got to say, like him significantly less after this episode.
0: Oh, really? Mm hmm. So, we'll you were that. before you were the biggest defender
1: of Samon Havarian. I was a Saman Havarian apologist, certainly. You really were.
0: And mm. now that's not really the case. But it starts out pretty okay, right? Because he says, hey, Listen, meet me at the inn. We're gonna get on my boat and we're gonna we're gonna go chase Irenicus down. And sure. I was like, alright. And so I met him at the end.
1: Even though we're doing this definitely for metagame reasons, because we, we'll know we miss content, because his pitch makes no sense. Hey, get on my boat so we can sail, so maybe you can beat people that teleported to a location to the punch. Yeah, look, I'm I'm not I'm not judging the the interior logic here. Mm-hmm. I just know the path that we are on. Sure. The last time you judged interior logic, we went on a ten minute argument about teleportation.
0: Yeah, we into don't do a
1: planar sphere, and you got like you got legitimately angry, and we almost like had to stop the podcast.
0: We don't want teleporter talk 2.0. Mm-hmm. But so I go and talk to him in the end, right? because i'm yeah. like let's get going like i'm i'm snapping my fingers i'm moving forward i'm doing the the thing from west side story i'm mm-hmm. ready to get on that boat and get going and uh so i get the same in Heverian and i say hey hey buddy uh let's roll and he says now listen i told you that i had a boat
1: but you know there's only one thing about that that's not true just one tiny thing
0: which part was that
1: Him not having a boat. He doesn't have
0: a boat at all. No boat. Um, And so he like concocts this long form plan for me. A real Rube
1: Goldberg-esque conspiracy. Explain the plan. Okay. Step number one. Get a job here in pirate land. Uh, Work behind the counter at the uh at the drunken monkey and uh and make enough money over over the course of years you know really really watch your watch your pennies don't don't get too crazy on the weekends um really just put in the time and the effort save up take out a take out a, a you know reverse mortgage your cottage and then buy a pirate ship legit so you can you can beat uh Irenicus after he teleported somewhere
0: Yeah, so he he gives us the seventy year plan. Yeah, which really isn't going to work. He says, "All right, well, after if that isn't going to work for you, Mm -hmm. because I say, look, I'll just go take the teleporter. Sure, I'll just go do that." He says, "All right, well, here we're going to steal a boat. (laughs) Okay, that's exactly, and we're going to get a thing called the Seahorn, which is the coolest name for a thing. Sure, the Seahorn is very cool." he says, it's in the house of someone named Claire.
1: Yeah, the Seahorn. Uh, and I think it's in the house of someone came Claire named Claire because Claire is the mistress of the pirate lord, Desharic. Yep. And yes. so I think one of the dialogue options is, well, hold on. I don't want to cross someone with the title Pirate Lord. That seems like an imprudent thing to do. Yeah, and, and Balthazar's uh, whole thing is prudence, right? Just total prudence. I only said that was an option. That does not mean <laughs> Balthazar said that, right? I'm just <laughs> letting the audience know that uh, that that was a thing that could have been said by either of us.
0: That was on the table. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But of so... course,
1: I say, yeah, I'm I'm down. Let's go get this this horn. Apparently, the way this horn works is there's. I guess there's like gates to the harbor that are only opened once this thing is blown.
0: Uh, apparently, yeah.
1: Yeah. This despite being like a really freewheeling pirate town, uh there's like some very strict rules on who gets access to this place.
0: I mean, yeah, you gotta to be lawless everywhere else, you have to have very strong laws at home. Mm. Pirate law. Pirate law. But anyway, so we go in and get it, and I gotta really like were you stealth or anything when you went in into Clarence's no, House? Of
1: course not.
0: So you got this weird conversation too, then, right?
1: Yeah, so they were kind of just doing some pillow talk when I walked in. She and her um she and her like other boyfriend, basically. hmm And you know, they talk about her relationship with Deshrick, and she's obviously not happy in that relationship, but you know, Deshrick's like a powerful pirate lord and Claire's just kind of doing what she's got to do to make it through the world, you know, in a pirate town with pirate law, under pirate law. And then they notice me and they call a bunch of pirate guards. Yeah. And well, they leave
0: first, too, right?
1: They that was a simultaneous thing. Yeah. For me. Yeah.
0: So I think that that throws uh, some of the next stuff that happens like into a weird relief. Like we'll talk. I want to talk about that again in just a second, but yeah. So Claire is there with some dude. She notices you. Calls the guards. Guards show up. There, it's like three guards. I slayed them all. Mm-hmm. No problem. I steal the seahorn. I go talk to Simon Havarian, and I say, he's, listen, he's buddy. down,
1: he's down at the docks right next to the boat you want to steal, right next to, and the boat you want to steal is the pirate lord's boat. So
0: we go and, there.
1: Yeah, and Simon tells us, hey, I've convinced the entire crew to back us.
0: And, with something, with a bribe or something, presumably. Sure. But then, like, he goes to, like, Claire is there. Mm-hmm. She's on the boat. Mm-hmm. With Saman, Yeah. And then Desharic shows up, of course, because he's going, there's no way we're going to get off this island without a fight, right? Sure. So Shark shows up and he's like, I can't believe that you've been cheating on me with Simon Havarian again. Hmm. And like this whole encounter is just about him, Simon Havarian, and Claire.
1: Which we know from the pillow talk earlier that Claire did have a relationship uh, a tryst of sorts with Simon Havarian. She called it a youthful indiscretion. Um, he had, he had words like honey, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and she's telling this to her current boyfriend, the person she's, I guess, cheating on with uh, Disharik, who ostensibly DeShark's cheating on his maybe wife with her, given her title as mistress. Who knows? It's a little ambiguous. We don't know the full web of relationships here but yeah it is t- so this opens up a bunch of questions what exactly happened that made desharic accuse saman now if this was a youthful indiscretion on the part of claire from well before right
0: yeah so there's a lot going on here there's a lot of subtext but all of this leads up to <laughs> I-, I-, I laugh and only because it's so profoundly absurd the shark just kills her yeah like that is his solution to the problem, which is horrifying, right? Yeah. Like, and it's like not just horrifying narratively, but horrifying that the, the like, the development team was like, "All right, how do we solve this? Let's uh let's have him murder her first.
1: Yeah, but in in terms of we need a way to um to instigate combat here. Like, we need like the 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 tension to ratchet up. Before, so so that the player you know feels totally justified in what what they're about to do to to Sharik, right? Mm-hmm. Because I guess there is this one idea of if you are a lawful good player, how could you ever like get down with stealing this boat, right? Yeah, so. I think that there there is an idea of we need to show how bad DeShark is even though you've kind of gotten clues but we need to show that you know stealing this boat actually is not is not too bad so we need to do something but here's the thing I just feel like there are a billion other reasons <laughs> you yeah, know you, you do not have to en- yeah you don't have to engineer it and the Claire thing just seemed really narratively odd right like this is only a character we met a couple of minutes ago right and the the re the the shark's rationale for killing her is something she did perhaps years before we even started playing this game
0: yeah yeah and maybe well i guess two things one the lawful good characters out on this is just i'll go back to the portal sure you know what i mean like you there there are multiple like safety valves for this quest if you don't want to do it and two I don't I just don't understand like any of the of the like narrative motivation there. Mm-hmm. Of like why that
1: would be happening. I think th- okay, here's a way to write it. Um Claire was the uh guardian was kind of the the sa- she safeguarded this seahorn for whatever reason. It was mm-hmm. in her house, right? Um Desharic heard the seahorn and you could have written this to be like Claire, you have betrayed me. You have mm-hmm. like blown the sea horn so that my enemies could steal my boat. This is this is uh unacceptable and I will now harm you because of it, right? Mhm. But that's not what happened. And and like as it was happening, I had to scroll back up through the text and see like, wait, was that why he killed Claire? But no.
0: No. Just uh just I, yeah, I don't get it. I don't yeah. I do not get it at all. But in any case, it mm-hmm. like Starts a, a fight and you've got a you got a little note here, or you had a little note that said this is a weird fight. It's very this strange.
1: Is, yeah, very strange. So, uh, obviously, I'm pausing. I, I turned auto pause off for fights. I think in Baldur's Gate you can turn it on so that every time someone's hostile around you, the game automatically pauses. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm do the manual pause. I don't have that on. So the second um, after. Dialogue finishes and Desharic says crew you need to kill these people and ostensibly a lot of the crew that like Seyman um, Bribed turn hostile on this boat. Yeah, and, uh, and, and But the, here's the, the interesting little wrinkle of Baldur's Gate is they don't turn hostile all at once, right? Like, a lot of them have blue circles, which indicate dialogue, and when I pause, there's only, like, two of the pirates that are hostile, and a lot of the other ones still have the blue dialogue, right? I'm not weirded out by attacking Disharik. Mm -hmm. Like, he has obviously said his intention to kill us, and I figure Disharik must be kind of the boss enemy of this encounter. So I manually attack him, and he obviously goes hostile the moment I attack him, and I kill him. And then I kill the rest of his little pirate friends. Samon has run off. And after I kill all of the pirates, um, he doesn't come back. So I go up to the docks and another pirate attacks me. And I think, oh, well, maybe there's just a few extra pirates like off of this pirate ship. And then I keep walking. And then just a woman attacks me like a civilian. <laughs> and then I keep walking. And like an old man, like a fishmonger attacks me.
0: Oh. I see what's so, happened.
1: So what has happened is, Dosharik, you were not supposed to attack. When you attacked Dosharik, something very, like unusual, triggered in the game, where you were like attacking a story-important NPC before you were supposed to, and therefore the entire town, who was all like coded into a certain reputation system, right, all uh, attacked you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like, the game was treating him as a non-hostile MP. You killed him fast enough mm-hmm. that it, the game did not have time to change him from non-hostile to hostile. And because yeah. of that, it was treating him like a fishmonger, right? Exactly. Like any random civilian. Mm-hmm. Well, so
1: I, I had to reload because the salmon did not come back. I could not complete the this quest, right? I could not leave the island. Uh, via the boat at that point.
0: I think it's funny that at this point, Balthazar's murdering capability is so strong.
1: It's it's defeating the game engine
0: more than one time.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, well, that's a that's a real humdinger of a time.
1: Yeah. Uh, so what about you? So when you do the fight, does Deshark eventually join in? No. No. Okay. Well, maybe it's not even like before he turned hostile. It's just you can never attack no
0: no you can you can oh wait i'm sorry i thought you said salmon just now um yeah so what happened uh is that the shark uh they all turn hostile i killed them very quickly um because like we talked about in last episode i'm a bit over leveled i think for this narrative content too mm-hmm. just because all the second level stuff so or the chapter two stuff not second mm-hmm. level um so it was, it was fairly easy so i did that and yeah salmon goes down down into the um into the boat, and then when you kill the shark, Simon comes back up, mm-hmm. and he says, "Hey, we're we're leaving. Blow that horn, brother." He's <laughs> he's uh, the macho man Randy Savage. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, and uh, so so he uh, we do that, and then we get going. We zip on out of there. We're out of Brynlaw, never to return.
1: And we are met with another. Not it's it's generally like a little a little narrative screen, A little. Uh, uh, Kind of like what do you, what do you call those things Star Wars does with the with the floaty text?
0: An intertitle.
1: An intertitle happens, but it's not in between chapters, right? It's just a interchapter intertitle.
0: Yeah, and this seems like we, a moment where they were like, "We do not have the budget. <laughs> we were gonna three D animate this the ship stuff, but yeah. Uh,
1: sorry, we rejoin. Uh, samon on the boat, and Simon says." Oh, oh, man, there's a, there's a boat on the horizon. They're boarding us. I'm trying to do my Macho Man, Randy Savage. Impra- Can you do a better one there?
0: Oh, man,
1: there's one on the
0: horizon. Like that?
1: Yeah. Now, before this boat rams into you, there is a dream sequence that we may have missed, right? That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. I,
0: I forgot about that. So before I killed Dusharik, I slept okay. for the first time since leaving Spellhold. Mm. and i had a dream sequence did you have the same dream i sequence? had the
1: same one just before killing to yeah
0: okay well what happened
1: so you're dreaming you're back in candle keep in the library proper emowen is there emowen is talking but it's definitely not emowen as we've already established in the spell hole dungeon in the asylum dungeon emowen is it's not like a shared dream right this is an inception this mm-hmm. is a part of your subconscious manifested by Emowyn. Uh And she's talking and she's being especially creepy in the dream. Uh, you can say, hey, you're not really Emowyn. And Emowyn says, oh, I'm always a part of you. You know, you can't escape me. And basically she gives this spiel about how, hey, having this divine something or other, this divine who what's it taken from you has left a void and something has filled that void and that's good you need to embrace that thing that has filled the void because it's real good it's gonna help you out three figures uh, appear in front of you there is Seravok to the to the far left you got um, Bodhi in the middle and you have Ironicus. And Emmamowin turns you into the slayer, this monster that we spontaneously transformed into into our while we were confronting Bodhi in the dungeon, right? The slayer wreck and she does this count. It, you know, if you embrace this power, your you know your goals will be achieved as easy as one. Bam, slam Saravat, kill him with your slayer abilities. Two slams Bodhi and three slams, uh, slams Irenicus. Mm-hmm. And then she says four, you go around, kill Emowyn, and then Emowyn reappears and says five, and then the Slayer dies, right? And yeah. that's the end of the dream. It's a
0: real humdinger of a dream. Yeah. And then you wake up, and then in the like message bar at the bottom, it just says, you can now turn into the Slayer at will.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, doesn't give you any more information about it other than that.
1: Did you did you ever turn into the Slayer? No, I turned into the Slayer for what? I don't know. Just like as a part of the fight, it is objectively worse than Balthazar.
0: Of course, right? Like there, I don't even think it scales appropriately. I it think doesn't
1: because when you turn into it, Balthazar has like two hundred and forty hit points. When you turn into the Slayer, I, I my hit points de- get decreased by over half. I only have a hundred hit points as the Slayer. Yeah, that's bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean the Slayer right is like you're giving into the, the the ball part of your your soul. You're like turning into this murderous machine. But, I,
1: but here's I mean sorry to sorry to talk about the internal logic of this game. I thought that part of us was stolen away.
0: Well, that's the thing is it's like I I think the implication here is that there is something deeper than the divine spark, right? Mm. That like. The, the connection to the Lord of Murder is such that it, that it is not merely explainable like by, like, whatever part of you is divine. There is a horrifying void at the core of existence. And having your divine spark ripped out of you, in fact, makes you more able to embrace that.
1: Mm, so perhaps less of a metaphysical connection to the Lord of Murder, to Baal, then your your raw hereditary connection. Yeah,
0: that's that's what I think. Right, that mm-hmm. that the like pooling capability, like you know, the idea that like the ball spawn can kill other ball spawn and become more powerful, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. That that is somehow deeper than the divine spark part of it. Because mm. like the divine, this is what Siege Dragon Sphere was about right? Like, you know, and Siege of Dragon Spear is developed many years later, but th- this is what it works on, that, that like the plus one characteristics of a divine spark versus like an ASMR spark, mm-hmm. like do work. But the difference between you and, uh, what was her name? The protagonist, or the antagonist of Siege of Dragon Spear?
1: Yeah. Uh, her. Yeah.
0: I don't remember sorry. her, but she's the mm-hmm. asmr like, mm-hmm. you both have some divine-esque essence, but what distinguishes you is that you have, like, this horrifying negative monstrous quality that is being attached to the Lord of Murder. Mm-hmm. And that is more important.
1: I wonder if it is a thing about, uh, look, you can, when you're talking about uh, Baal and his di- divine capacity, right? Mm-hmm. Then you're talking about the divine spark, like, the fact that he is a deity, But if you're just talking about Baal as, like, an entity outside of being a deity, right? Outside of being a god, because we know in the Forgotten Realms, mortals can ascend to godhood, Mm -hmm. right? Just like in the Time of Troubles. If we're just talking about, like, Baal as a unique entity outside of god or divine, right? Just a thing. And Baal has, like, Baal taps into something primordial that is i that either supersedes or subverts divinity and that is the thing that is that thing that is filling the void of the divinity well
0: i wonder if it's just like the portfolio of murder itself
1: that see that feels more divine to me right well i don't like, know cuz right? once you talk about portfolio it just feels like uh like something a cleric chooses well no no
0: no i mean like the literal portfolio of like of uh domination over that particular realm right so like mm-hmm. like uh syric tr- like ascends to godhood when he picks up the portfolio of mask. but gods can trade portfolios back and forth and it doesn't change their godliness or make them more godly or less godly or whatever right mm-hmm. um and so i wonder if like the portfolio of murder like as a concept does work as much as like divinity
1: does work right mm, no i think i see you and i think that kind of resonates with the ball as an entity slash figure yeah and and the fact that he has taken on that portfolio so maybe it isn't ball and it's just the idea of pure destruction pure yeah. murder murder right the extinguish yeah extinguishing life mm.
0: well we'll no, find out i bet of all of these will be answered. questions I bet every single question that we have answered, we have here will be answered 100% by the narrative of this video game.
1: I don't know if you're being ironic or not, but I'm okay with it.
0: We don't know. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, also. Anyway, back to, yeah, yeah. We got a sword for defeating mm. Dusharik.
1: What kind of sword? There's just a little sword.
0: Saman said, here, you know what? Irenicus gave me a sword for my service. I'm giving you a sword for your service. What Same kind of sword. sword is it? Um, I, did, I didn't even look at it.
1: Why are we even talking about it, buddy? Uh, well, let me tell you why.
0: Mm-hmm. Because that ship that Sabin was concerned about. Okay. It shows up eventually. It's got a mm. real planescape look to it.
1: Yeah.
0: It doesn't really look like a normal, like a human's boat.
1: Some real spelljammer stuff.
0: Real spell jammer stuff. And in fact, it doesn't even touch the water, we are told. Mm. It like, floats a little bit above the water. Much like a Spelljammer ship might. Mm-hmm. And these people show up, and they're called the Githyanki. Mm. Do you know anything about the Githyanki?
1: I know a fair amount. Well, they're astral you know? pirates, basically, right? Mm-hmm. That's one way to put it. Mm-hmm. Sworn enemies of the Zerai. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're greenish. I mean, like, I guess to kind of give a, a more crass description, they're greenish. They don't have noses, and uh, they've got kind of a... Uh, like a brown leather aesthetic that's a little piratey and uh they, they like swords like very um like you know thin blades like wakazashi and such mm-hmm. right yeah they're like uh pirate aliens
0: pirate aliens yeah that's basically it right so they show mm-hmm. up and they're like they well they ram right into the ship a mhm and then they're like hey um you've got an artifact and we we want it It's our artifact. It's our holy artifact and you've stolen it. And and then,
1: and then what happens? Well, they, I I think that Gith Yankee have very uh, formidable psionic abilities Mm -hmm. and they start directing those towards the crew and they start wrecking them with their psionic abilities or spells kind of difficult to, to tell. And, uh, and eventually, they kill a few, and they, they say, hey, you need to hand it over. Simon starts throwing the party, so Balthazar, but I imagine he was throwing the, your entire party under the bus mm-hmm. immediately. Uh, saying, hey, you can search the boat. Your artifact is definitely not here. By all means, please search your these uh, adventurers. Make sure and, you search them, because I don't yeah. know them at all. Mm. That's, uh, that's what he said to me. And at that point, another... Group of entities enter the picture. <laughs> this is a real like <laughs> Ready Player One moment in in Baldur's Gate for the forgotten. It's the Forgotten Realms, and then
0: Elminster appeared, and then yes! just no Word and flew down off of the the <laughs> from the crow's peaks. nest. He was there all the time. <laughs> he he like. like he t-
1: Yep, yep. And then a Transformer. <laughs> Bumblebee came on board. Gandalf, like, blows a big, uh, a big a big smoke ring from the from the stern of the ship. And he <laughs> says, missed me. And then he winks into the camera. Oh,
0: right at the camera? Yeah. He's like, you don't even. And then, and then Neo
1: is there. He says, I am the one. He
0: says, dodge this.
1: <laughs> Gith Yankee. Dodge this, the Gith
0: Yankee. And then Dave Arneson is there. And, and then he looks at the camera and he says, I can't believe I created every single part of this.
1: He's like the Stan Lee of, of uh, yeah. this Ready Player One. He's, uh, he's playing a powder monkey. Like, it's just a cameo. They've got him in, like, powder monkey gear, <laughs> even though he's not a child at all. He, mm-hmm. like, looks very out of place amongst the other powder monkeys on this pirate ship. And he says, oh, boy, howdy. What's it's it's a very short cameo it's very much like the stanley cameos mm-hmm. right just like a, a few seconds uh,
0: but yeah so the the people who show up or the entities that show up are the sahagen sahagen you oh god well, I guess we'll talk about them in just a second but they're like sahwagen 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 mm-hmm. and so like it's like humans on the left side of the ship Get Yankee on the right side of the ship. Boarding. Sahagin. on the on the, the, the north, the top side of the ship. And they all kind of meet in the middle and then there's like a little bit of a fight that happens. Like I'm able to like cast spells and do some fighting here.
1: Yeah, I'm able to fight too. And uh, fun trivia note, you cannot kill the Githyanki captain. You can get him to one pip and then the Githyanki captain continues to take damage but will not die. Mm. And I know that I dealt enough damage to kill him because I can do math and I like did the ratio and I was like, there's no way that it you know this thing has more HP than that, right? Yeah. So.
0: Invincible Githyanki cake. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're gonna travel the planes, being invincible is like pretty big
1: deal. Which is a real piece. Which I feel like it's probably time to talk a little bit about the sahawagan uh, right? But the fact that astral like interplanar pirates are scared by like, Cretinous fish pirates. Like, I understand human pirates being scared by creepy, flesh-eating fish pirates. That makes sense to me, mm-hmm. right? You're in their zone, right? You're on a ship, but you fall down. You're in their territory now, right? Mm-hmm. But, and I also understand human pirates being deeply afraid of interplanar pirates whose ship doesn't even touch the water and who can murder you with their mind.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that seems Scary.
1: Scary. Uh, it does not make sense to me that Yankee would be intimidated at all by Sahwagan.
0: Yeah, because mm. Sahwagan are just, they're just fish people. Like, that's it. That's mm-hmm. their whole deal. Like murderous fish people. And, I, I, you know, I wonder, do you think they're afraid or do you think they just have respect for them? Pirate law, interplanar pirate law.
1: This is like three different layers of pirate law. This is like what happens when three different factions, species even, of pirates meet and they have to work out their differing interpretations of pirate law. Yeah, I right? mean,
0: I think that's, well, so this is what I think solves out. I, I agree. It's weird that they are intimidated by them, but ultimately that doesn't matter, right? Because the ship that we are on sinks and then the Sahagin just steal us, right? They kidnap sure. us. So, so sure. like, they kind of write the Yankee out of the scenario anyway.
1: Yeah. And I, I will say this, right, in terms of the Sahu- Sahuagin have a deity, mm-hmm. and that deity has kind of primacy in this environ, right? So the Yankee aren't in their home plane, and at that, they're in the prime material plane over an ocean, right? Yeah. So they're—and the Sahuagin have a intricate, like, religious tradition— and they probably have clerics in the mix here and it could be that the githyanki given the fact that they are interdimensional interplanar travelers they you know it behooves them not to piss off a deity yeah yeah 100 percent. this is me doing some real work for this game right now i mean yes (laughs) Mm -hmm. that is true i don't know
0: yeah i i honestly don't know i think mostly it has to do with like the the githyanki get surprised could be anything honestly right sure they might not even know what these things are mm-hmm. like it like you were kind of operating under the assumption and i would operate under this assumption too that the githyanki like know the various races of of um toriel right but mm-hmm. maybe they don't like that could be any kind of set of creatures down there they're fish people they could have a leviathan. You know, like that's an interplanar thing that I would be afraid of in a general way. So I don't know. You know, maybe the Githyanki are just a conservative people
1: in that way. I mean, it pays to be conservative when your boat doesn't even touch anything. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. You don't want to mess that thing up. You are stuck here forever if you mess that boat up.
1: No, it's a definitely the stakes are higher, right? Mm -hmm. Then when you're floating around on Toriel and your boat messes up, you can you can. You there. there is wood you can gather to repair it. You can steal a pirate lord's boat. You can steal a pirate lord's boat. The Gith Yankee are not gonna be able to go and steal the shark's boat to get home. No. But so
0: so yeah. Same Havarian teleports away. Like straight up just teleports away.
1: It's revealed in a little intertitle here. Mm-hmm.
0: The uh boat shakes a bunch, it goes black, there's another little intertitle that like tells you, you know. Basically, you pass out and you wake up in a giant underground cavern full of water. Like is mm. kind of the pitch, and then uh, then that happens. Like so, the fade from black. There is a like fish people. They are yelling in fish language. It's like <laughs> like it's it's that kind of like garbled, uh, just mm. random letters. Basically,
1: Murloc speak.
0: It's murloc speak for sure. And uh, then, like, the one of them, like, starts casting a spell, and that person is a priestess, and uh, she's, like, cast a spell so you can all understand each other. She's a priestess of Sekula, which is, like, mm. uh, their their primary deity, and she says, listen, or Sekola, not Sekula, sorry. Mm-hmm. And she says, um, you are the people who were prophesied to come, like, restore balance to the force, and uh, I got to take you to our king. He has a mission for you that will help fix
1: Sahuagin
0: culture slash
1: something. Spoiler alert, Balthazar does bring balance to the force. I think I
0: brought balance to the force too, but I, it might have been in, in a couple of different ways. So like mm. there's a lot of dialogue here to, to express
1: very little
0: mm-hmm right like at the end of the day like these are like to summarize all an immense amount of dialogue i think the there are two separate uh priestesses of different faiths the sakola uh priestess thinks that you um are the chosen one or the chosen one there's a rebellion happening and you can solve the rebellion
1: yeah, because there was a prophecy that the city uh, of the Sahuagin would undergo a great tumult, a mm-hmm. great tribulation, and that an outsider would come and and right the mm-hmm. situation and, and bring, you know, peace and stability back to the Sahuagin.
0: And the other priestess doesn't believe that. The king, the current king of the city, is a kind of like a classic mad king kind of scenario, right? So he mm-hmm. is... Um, He's murdering all of the, like, hatchlings, so that means there's no, no new Sahuagin uh, who are being born, or, like, far fewer. He's exiling all of the people who could threaten him, so all of the strong Sahuagin are, are being kicked out. So, like, the, in the language of the game, their gene pool is weakening, and they're very much concerned with, like, social Darwinism, basically. Hmm. Um, like that's their whole thing. Like you need strong people, and strong people is strong blood, and
1: they have to uh breed together. It's it's kinda uh, or not kind and, of it's way gross. And was the king's was the was the king talking specifically about biologically strong or was he just deposing anyone that could threaten him?
0: Right? Well, so the um uh, the priestess and the um her guard say mm-hmm. it in terms of biologically
1: strong. Mm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Which I, I imagine strong in blood. this society in this society it may very well be give I mean we don't we don't really have access to the traditions of, you know, monarchy here, right? Mm-hmm. But it could be a, a strong man society, right? It could it, be like trial by combat is what gets you the the crown. It's but,
0: 100% but, that, right? Because Sicola, that's Sokola's whole thing like a, as a deity is that the strong people destroy weak people and they take power and they like he rewards or they i don't know the gender of Sokola, the deity but they mm-hmm. reward people who do that so yeah it is it is cultural for the swagen
1: oh interesting so the deity itself like the the religion we've like had set out for us is a specifically uh how you say like a specifically darwinistic deity yeah like a
0: might makes right mm-hmm. deity mm-hmm. yeah
1: that's really interesting because the uh the lizard folk have a very similar uh dynamic in their in their kind of religion i suppose right their um their semuanya mm-hmm. uh the the patron deity of the lizard folk is just about survival and propagation mhm Does not care about anything else.
0: I mean, that's kind of... I think this is a long-form weakness in a lot of D&D lore. Like, across many different properties and and campaign settings. That human deities... Or not human, but like human-like, elf, dwarf. Like, all of these different species. That, like, they have wide pantheons of a number of different things. But then you have things like uh, the orcs with Groomish. And then the lizardfolk, like you're talking about. Um... I don't remember the goblin deity, but he has like a very long name too. And his whole thing is the exact same stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. So like everyone who is like a Demi human or, or like a monstrous Demi human, they all have these like might makes right uh, conniving, chaotic kind of uh, prime gods that just make them do the
1: same thing. I think that's very boring. It is. I think that we, um, we get an idea of the wide breadth of culture of like elvish kind right Mm -hmm. given the given its pantheon like because it's a reflection of that diversity um i think that an apologist could argue that the species we're talking about here are in some ways especially goblins being a good example right are so marginalized that their culture can only fixate on ideals of survival and scrape and like scraping by and that that is now reflected in their religious culture and tradition in that that's the only thing that they they can fixate on. That does, however, make it... I mean, yeah, your criticism still stands in that, well, that's boring.
0: Well, I, but, but that is not... That is a, like, the culture exists and then creates the gods, which is, like, Mm. you know, a a very, like, real-world religious kind of idea. Doesn't really work in a
1: situation (laughs) where the gods are walking around.
0: (laughs) And where they, like, had to pre-exist to create the culture, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not as if, like, new cultural ideas appear in Goblin kind and then new gods appear. That's not really a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the the portfolios pre-exist them. Uh, Maglubiette. Is the goblin deity. Mag mm. yet. But mm-hmm. But yeah, right. Like it's a different I, I agree that like your the analysis that you're putting forward is correct, like conceptually, but that is not how divinity works in these games. No. So, yeah. Um in any case, so you gotta join go...
1: us uh every other uh Friday for um D and D uh liturgical hour. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm a, I'm a doctor of theology of the Forgotten Realms <laughs> And the Forgotten Realms yeah. Um, so yeah, so you have to prove your prowess To this king, I had to fight an Etten Did you fight this Etten?
1: No, so this all I don't have any of the information you just gave me About like this power struggle or the king Killing eggs, because when the priest Just took me to the king The king was like, well, are you the chosen one? Is it true? And I said, I am I really just want to slice you Open right now. Really? Yeah, and the king said, "Oh, got a feisty one here. Well, we'll see whether you're the chosen one. I will, I will uh, pitch you against a slave." Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you have been following the show, but if you have, you know Balthazar's opinion on slavery. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Slavery is being a slaver or keeping slaves or in any way perpetuating that institution is just the biggest sign of weakness possible. Right. <laughs> yeah. And Balthazar despises that kind of weakness. And also, what are you doing? You're just telling people what to do, right? Yeah,
0: that's the the de- slavery is in fact the definition of telling people what
1: to do. And so Balthazar said, no, nah, I'm going to murder everyone in this room." And the and the king was like, "Well, you could certainly hmm, you can certainly try." And and I and Balthazar did try. And Balthazar murdered everyone there. Jeez. And then Balthazar rip roared around this entire zone and murdered everything in it just
0: did whatever he wanted to do
1: well this is the thing right is once you kill the king all of the rebels turn hostile and there's no way that you'll able you'll be able to like get them not hostile mm. right because you 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 go hostile in that chamber and even the priestess that is opposing the king secretly then this is only information you've just told me mm-hmm. goes hostile Ah. Right? Uh. So the quest giver to give you any kind of access to the rebels is gone now.
0: Okay, well, what happens in in the real (laughs) game is that I fought in Etten. And then he said, okay, you must be good. You must be a good warrior. And then the priestess of Sokola said, listen, this king is bad. We got to get a stronger king. There's a prince. He's the prince of the rebels. He is out and about in the the world out there. Uh, You have to go to this drow compound that's made by like an evil drow wizard in the south of the city. You got to go there. You got to get the tooth of Ciccola. Uh It opens a gate. You go outside the gate. The rebel prince will be there. He will concoct a plan and then we will kill the king. As you point out, could have just killed the king. <laughs> could have just murdered him and that seemed like it would solved it. But that didn't happen. So I like, I then rolled around this whole thing. There's like a weird little sea zombie pit that has nothing in it except
1: for sea. Yeah, I was zombies. gonna ask you because because the way I did this, was there any story no. to the sea zombie
0: lord? Not as not as much as I could not as far as I could tell. Um You're the sea zombie lord now. Yeah, yeah. Based on uh, what I've been told about the, this undersea cavern. I'm now the lord of the sea zombies. No, mm-hmm. just a weird little thing. Um you go into the drow compound, it's trapped, of course.
1: So, yeah, when you say drow compound, no one ever told me anything. I actually had to look up to make sure I didn't miss a cave or something. But you're just referring to, like, the bottom half of this area. Yeah,
0: where, like, the architecture changes. Mm. Yeah, it's just, like, a little, like, drow base, basically. And I think mm. the idea is, like, it was cordoned off at some point, but then it was assaulted. And so the drow was kicked out. So mm. it was made by, like, one drow sorcerer. and mm. uh, Or wizard, whatever. And um, so yeah, there's like spiders there and you fight your way through, but the idea is like there's one chest in the center of the drow compound. It's got the the tooth of Cicola that you need to like get through the rest of this, this little mission. Mm-hmm. So you go in there and there's some traps and some, some spiders and you kill all that. And then there's a puzzle uh, that two imps, two imps are guarding the chest and they say, mm. you can do our puzzle with us. And uh, we'll let you go. We'll let we'll let you have it if you solve the puzzle. And and the puzzle is um there are five famous big people, as they say. So five like um, above ground dwellers they are all famous. Mm. So it's like Kelvin Blackstaff and it's uh a Lush- Dritz Stewart. Dritstorden, illustrial, someone else that I have forgotten. Mm-hmm. And you know who the last one is?
1: Well, who is the last one?
0: It's time for the Elminster minute.
1: Oh my gosh, it's back.
0: So there was one time when Elminster was going to Myth Dranor, Myth Dranor is like an ancient elven city of uh, immense magic and, and coolitude. And uh, he was going to befriend a friendly little rabbit. And that rabbit, um, he went up to it and it had red fur. And uh, he tried to pet it to make it its buddy, and it crowed like a crow, and then it like hopped away on its back feet. And then after that, Elminster said he made three rules of the rabbit. The first one is, a rabbit isn't always a rabbit. The second rule, <laughs> I swear to God, I'm reading this off of a sheet of paper that is an official D&D product. Rule two, a rabbit doesn't want to be rich. Rule three, a rabbit doesn't always stay put. And Elminster uses those rules as a way of talking about ecology and the way that all animal kind functions. I think Elminster might not be a very good wizard. (laughs) I think he might not be the smartest dude. That's the Elminster
1: Minute. Oh, boy. Glad that's back.
0: Back by popular demand. Backed by popular demand. People love the Elm instrument, and I keep, I keep getting people saying it's got to come back, so it's it bad. did. <laughs> Patreon.com. Oh,
1: <laughs> please, please compensate Councilman for that reading for he's doing. I had, to, I had to do a lot of research to find an appropriate
0: thing. So, So, yeah, so the idea is, like, each of these people, each of these big people, give you an item that belongs to another big person. And so, like Drizzet Jordan's, like, got a like icing death or whatever, and you got got to put it in a chest behind him. And Elminster's mm-hmm. got a pipe or whatever. It's fine. Yeah, it's a okay. Um. <laughs> so so then, like <laughs> the um, there's another dude who's here. Mm-hmm. There's a beholder who's here. Did but you? It's a synonym for beholder. Well, he's a spectator beholder. Yeah but 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 it means like he doesn't do he's not like the kind of like giant wizardly jerk that other beholders mm-hmm. are
1: He's the pro- narcissistic uh, make their own image in their cave type mm-hmm. beholder
0: no he's like just like a, a beholder who's got a job mm-hmm. he's been contracted to guard a chest for a hundred years mm. and he's like 60 years in or something mm-hmm. he's got 40 years left in his term of service. did you talk to this guy? Yeah he's really funny
1: it's really funny a lot of definitely some anachronistic slang yes hey that is not cool (laughs) right things like that yeah Mm -hmm. but
0: yeah he's just like he's so bored yeah he's so incredibly bored and so he says like like did you did you end up killing him or did you like go through the dialogue
1: so no I went through the dialogue but in order to solve this uh this problem without uh killing him mm-hmm. which I didn't even have a problem because I didn't even need that fucking fang right mm-hmm. <laughs> like no, uh, that's true yeah so I was just curious um the uh so it could be that I would have needed to know that the thing I needed was in there mm-hmm. But also, I think I read that you have to have someone with high wisdom talk to him, uh. and uh, that's not Balthazar's strong suit. So I ended up killing him. But how did you did you solve it without killing him?
0: Yeah, so I like clicked through the dialogue options, and he I, I was like, "Listen, I need the thing that's in the chest," and he was like, "I'm sorry, I've been told that I had to. You know, my, my job is I have to guard the chest." And then I was like, "Well, what about the thing that's in the chest?" Like, can you just guard the chest and let me have the thing inside of the chest? And he was Mm. like, hmm. Well, when the the drow summoned me, he was yelling, my chest. And of course, he did have a sword sticking out of it. So he might not have been talking about this chest, but I'm pretty sure he was talking about this one. And he's like, well, you know what? I've been here for 60 years. I'm very (sighs) curious about what's in there. So I'm just going to, I'm not going to turn around. And as long as you don't move the chest, that's okay. And so then I, like, go and, like, open the chest and get the little fang out. And he's like, oh, how about that? And then he just wanders away. So, yeah, very, very fun. I'm glad I didn't have to kill that guy.
1: No, I, I, I regret doing it because the item inside the chest, which the, 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 the spectator beholder was very uh very explicit be like, why do you even want this thing? Are you just curious? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and Balthazar was curious, and, and the spectator beholder was telling Balthazar what to do is
0: asking people questions telling them what to do.
1: Well, no, saying I can't do something, oh, I see. Is telling me what to do. Guarding something is telling them what to do.
0: Is does a, is a lock on a door telling Balthazar what to do?
1: Absolutely, 100%. That is just that is pure symbol of telling me what to do, right? Cuz Balthazar can break the door open. Yeah. The lock is not keeping Balthazar out. The lock is only saying Balthazar don't. <laughs>
0: um okay well so i got the fang i go and i talk to the prince he gives me a fake heart that i then give to yeah this is like it's so unnecessarily complicated because i just take the fake heart i give it to the king he goes wow you finally killed the rebels and then the rebels are like attack so i could have just gone back and killed the dude anyway there's a big in old the fight. one
1: in like the one minute that the king uh, received the heart, the king contacted all of the royal guard and said, "Okay, stand down. There's no threat anymore." Yes, that is right? the narrative. <laughs> like that is exactly
0: what this game is proposing. <laughs> Good. It seems fake. So yeah, so I go back. I you know the the prince attacks. They win because I help them win, right? I summon mm-hmm. a bunch of fire elementals. <laughs> summon a bunch of undead. I summon Morticane and Sword, which nothing <laughs> in this game can hit, and it just like wails on people without regard. <laughs> I summon an invisible servant. I've gotten very powerful. Mm. Um, I've I've the wizardry. I've got three mages <laughs> on my team, mm. and then like uh, a priest and a druid whose uh, whose AC is like negative seven. Damn. Yeah, they're both, like, very far down. And then uh, Mazzy, who also is, like, just destroying things. So Mm. the party's pretty powerful at this point. But, uh, yeah, so we win, and then they say, all right, get the hell out of here. Here's an infinite rope. Go jump down that well into the Underdark.
1: Oh, I've got two of those. How'd you get two? Well, I killed the king, and I also killed the rebel.
0: (laughs) So, (laughs) They both had an infinite rope.
1: Yeah, they both had a magic rope, as as it turns out. Mm-hmm.
0: But but yeah, so that that's what this whole like back half of chapter four, if you choose to not use the teleporter, is about. It's about coming to the city and getting a magic rope, mm-hmm. and then jumping down a literal hole into the underdark.
1: Which I think uh, I'm pretty sure, right? If you took the teleporter, this is where you end up, yes. right? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. What a cool winky dink.
0: Yep so but here at the very end when we jump down the hole we get a little cutscene.
1: hmm what happens in that cutscene? well we see we see uh irenicus and bodhi and they are talking with some drow they're talking to a matron mother right so a kind of the the a matriarch of a major house in a in drow culture right um I don't know if we're aware of, like, which drow cavern this is, whether it's menzo Baron, Zan, or what have you. It, it is um, not menzo Baron, Yeah, this is way—this this, would be way outside of um, menzo Baronzan. But uh, we—Renicus Bo, you know, and Bodhi are talking about getting back at somebody, getting vengeance on someone, uh, and that they're allying with the drow. Against these people, I'm gonna go ahead and assume that it's probably elves because the because we know Irenicus from like the journal and and from other little tidbits that they were going to Sundalasar. Yes, yeah, Sundolnesslar, I think. Uh and two elves are brought before them, and the matron mother says, "Oh, you, we should just kill them," and Irinicus says, "Oh, well, maybe it'll be better to uh, interrogate them first. and the elves start saying something and use a name we're unfamiliar with. And very abruptly, Irenicus turns them into salt, basically. Mm-hmm. right? Disintegrates them. And the drow say, oh, well, why'd you change your mind? And, you know, Irenicus plays it off and says, "Uh, actually, you know, I just, I thought, and your advice was much wiser, matron mother. It's very interesting how deferential Irenicus is to this matron mother, right? Mm -hmm. It's really signaling how much powerful the average drow ruler is than humans. Because Irenicus shows total impunity in the face of like all human authority. And, you know... Feyrune, basically, right? Yeah. But very, very, you know, uh diplomatic with these Drow.
0: Well yeah, because they I mean they have like channeling powers and like major Mothers in particular, right? They can attack your your mind. Mm-hmm. Right. And all those like innate magic abilities are pretty strong. Mm-hmm. So I mean I get it. Makes sense. He mm-hmm. also might need them for something, right? Sure. That like he can't take by force. Mm-hmm. Also, when you're in the Underdark, Loth, you know what I mean? She can start doing mm-hmm. stuff against you. You don't want to incur the wrath of a god while you're trying to do something else.
1: Yeah. There's a, a bunch of good reasons, but I just think it's interesting because this is kind of just a take that we haven't necessarily seen from Myronicus before. Absolutely. Right? It
0: seems like a real ally, mm-hmm. right? Like an ally he cares about preserving that the, mm-hmm. the relationship with exactly um, interesting so when I come down into the underdark like I see this little little cutscene and that's the end of the cutscene too he just disintegrates those people and then it, it comes back to the party and uh, mm-hmm. Vi- viconia pipes up and she says hey you know what I grew up in the underdark it's scary here and it's bad and you need to be careful because there's death around every corner mm-hmm. and let me tell you this is an interesting thing because uh, as followers on the of the Twitter account might know um. We, or I am now reading like a bunch of Forgotten Realms novels. I bought a giant collection of them on, on eBay. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm reading the first Drizzt Do'Urden novel right now. And I had forgotten because I have not read this book in 15 years probably. I did not remember that the first... So, so the first Drizzt Do'Urden novel opens with uh, House Do'Urden, uh, which is like a drow household, mm-hmm. killing destroying a house above them so to become like a top 10 house
1: of yeah the drow society thing. works like the premier league there's relegation mm-hmm.
0: and so they um but anyway you know what that house is named Ooh, what's that house devere mm. so it's viconia's family
1: damn yeah
0: and in the book it says all the children are killed but clearly that is not true
1: interesting but anyway
0: so like that it was a, it was i was reading that at the same time as playing this and i was like oh
1: crap that's Viconia in there getting murdered in that beautiful, connections in this rich tapestry of a universe. Truly, So
0: I'm going to have a lot more opinions about the underdark. I think after, as we play through this little section of the underdark. So that's going to be fun.
1: Excellent. It's going to be
0: good. Uh, is there anything else? Any other things we want to say at the end of the episode?
1: I I forgot to pick up the bag of holding oh. in the asylum dungeon.
0: Yep, you you goofed it, sir.
1: I missed it. I and I was very diligent about looking at all of the containers, but I wasn't like using spoilers or anything. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to do it on my own and uh and I missed it and that's just pretty brutal for a solo run. I think the next one's in throwing a ball basically, right? I mean,
0: you could reload a save and go back.
1: I would have to do the entire asylum dungeon again.
0: You'd have to do the asylum dungeon, but you could skip doing the back half of chapter 4 since you've already had the experience. So you could you would come right back to where you are right now.
1: That's true. So just uh I mean I might do it. I might do it. Yeah. Because I it's not like I got anything. I don't think there's any lasting story impressions, no, right? No, they're not.
0: Mhm. Mhm. So Okay, I'll I'll consider it, but worth it's, thinking it's about. pretty
1: pretty important.
0: Yeah. Well, this was uh, episode 32, like we said at the top of the episode, please hit that like button, please subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and you can hit that little bell icon to get a notification every time that we post a video, there's mostly, there, there's a video every Thursday now, um, some of those are, are Danny's uh, rating Dark Souls videos, some of these are Major Murder Dads, and there should start being stuff on Tuesday as well, so we've got a lot of content coming down the pipe for the channel, you can follow us on Twitter as well as the Range Touch account on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook, and uh, you can come on into the Discord if you want to talk about any of this stuff. Um, and please leave comments. Uh, comments have been really good on these videos. Um, a lot of strong commenting over the past few weeks, and uh, we we look look forward to reading those. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon. Uh, for a dollar a month, you get access to a fun little newsletter um, that that is shaping up to be quite good this month. And uh, for five dollars a month, you can um, uh, listen to a little podcast that w- that we're doing. It'll be like an hour of us talking about games and just all kinds of other stuff on the internet. And it's exclusive.
1: Mm-hmm. All of the all of the opinions, all the takes, too hot for Mages and Murder Dads. Exactly,
0: mm-hmm. exactly. So, uh, with that said, thanks so much for listening. I'm Cameron, and I'm Danny, and this was Mages and Murder Dads.
1: Ciao. I wonder.